0: Hello and welcome. Episode 90 of the Pitcher Bet Sports Podcast. We're drifting into the NFL offseason today, starting our draft series. Matt and I are going to go over the top four quarterbacks right now in every single mock draft. Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter, and Matt Corral breaking down some of their film their pros their cons where we would like to see them go in this next year's NFL draft and then it is the NBA all-star break so we're going to talk a little bit about the Lakers and the future for LeBron James but first it's time to run the music let's go guys <laughs> Everyone, welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Matt Guest, with me out in Vegas, looking to buy a new home. It's off season for the NFL for the Vegas Raiders and yourself a little bit,
1: huh, Matt? Yeah, man, that's right. We're uh we're kind of smooth sailing now after Valentine's Day. Although we have a really big Saturday night coming up at work, which thankfully I will not be at because I will be at a wedding. Vegas never sleeps, man. You know, you think February after the Super Bowl, you know, kind of in between uh, March Madness, which is a really big weekend for us here in Vegas. I'd say probably the second biggest weekend of the year. Um, We were still busy at my spot. You know, that's uh, kind of as you alluded to, good money maker, opportunity to buy a house. More importantly, the opportunity to buy a house, get myself a studio built out so we can uh, kind of get rid of my my rally monkey over here and add some more. <laughs> I guess it's a rally rhino, actually, because it uh, is rhino. Pe- yeah, my parents went a little cheap back in the day when the angels had the monkeys and they thought they could trick me into giving me a rally rhino. Did, as an adult, didn't really work. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, dude, definitely living a good life.
0: Yeah man and maybe one day we'll bless the listeners with with the good story about your dad and the tree. I, oh I don't think today I don't God. think today's that day <laughs> but we'll we'll get there on one of baseball our baseball season uh, baseball season. Yeah, baseball yeah. season. Yeah, okay. Yeah, once they get out of the lockout we'll bring up that story because uh that's one of the most memorable moments of our French our early times in our friendship oh 100%. we so might have, have to a t-
1: call Daniel and have him tell the story, you know, do a call. Oh, 100%. In you know dan you'll call him out of nowhere probably wake him up and be like daniel we we need this story man
0: damn speaking of daniel too dude i forgot to call him on his birthday so i'm gonna clip this and oh, tell him that i Valentine's love him Day. damn yeah daniel, fucking daniel happy, happy birthday, happy birthday. Buddy.
1: we love you man
0: love you daniel is one of the biggest supporters of of us and we our old roommate cheers to you daniel love you buddy Uh, I'll definitely shoot you a call once we get off this, even though it'll be one in the morning. Anyways, (laughs) uh, we are recording this here on February 16th. getting ready for our Thursday podcast. Uh, If this is your first time logging into the pod with us, especially during the NFL offseason, Matt and I had a really fun time last year breaking down draft prospects. We went through quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs offensive linemen defensive linemen dbs and uh, we plan on doing that again this year so what we're going to do we we have episodes every tuesday and thursday so every thursday episode we are going to break down something in our draft series so today we're going to kick it off with the top four quarterbacks. And then next Thursday, we'll jump into some of the honorable mentions for quarterbacks and then start breaking down some position players. Um, It's a lot of fun, but we do need to do our homework and do some research on the film room, YouTube, um, and and get an actual honest prediction for a lot of these players. So we're going to be doing that throughout the NFL offseason. Hopefully here we get the MLB. We're really itching to get that back make our predictions for the season and break down the games and then of course the nba season does start after this weekend because the all-star break is now here which means the last 25 games of the season actually matter for the nba so we'll have continuous nba coverage we got an awesome guest coming on here pretty soon to talk ball um matt and i are both super stoked about it so um we'll get to that here shortly Speaking of ball, before we get into football in our quarterbacks and breaking down all the picks, Matt, today, before we got on the podcast, Anthony Davis rolls his ankle again. Nothing serious as in like he didn't break anything, didn't tear anything, but he did have significant uh, ligament damage. It was a bad roll of the ankle, man. And this is just a continuous over and over theme with Davis, even when he was in New Orleans, now with the Lakers. So we were talking off, off camera, and we really want to bring this up to our listeners, man. is like It's not even what's next with the Lakers, but what do you think LeBron needs to do, Matt, in these next two years? Because I personally think he has two years of elite basketball left, maybe, because he's just an old dude now. Um, he wants to get a couple more rings, but what's next for LeBron? What can he do? What can the Lakers do?
1: Well, I think that's the big question. He has to ask himself, you know, does the roster that he currently uh, surrounds himself with have championship contention not only this season the following season. I think we've answered that on the podcast here, you know, we know all and that's a no. That's, <laughs> it just doesn't it doesn't have the pieces in play to go ahead and beat the sixers, the Brooklyns, the Milwaukees, the Phoenixes, you know, the golden states there's a lot of firepower with a lot of deeper benches with a lot more uh, star power that are that's healthy, right? For sure. Davis is his running mate, so is Russ. Russ definitely isn't really vibing well with that system, you know, definitely isn't doing well as the third option, even the second option at times we've, we've seen that throughout his career. I just think at this time in LeBron's career, he has to start to be honest with himself and say, Hey, how many more championships can I win on this roster? Zero. Okay. So what do I need to do? I need to need to leave or I need to reassess my goals, reassessing the goals, meaning I do want to play with my son, right? Like that's, that's something that he's talked about significantly. And I think in order to actually play with his kid and to play with his kid to a level where he's still a starting NBA player, which I just can't envision LeBron ever not being on the floor, uh, especially with his productive numbers that he's putting up this season. Take a year off. Just sit it out. Retire for one year, make it very well known to the league. Hey, I will be back in the 20, what would that be, 2024, 2025 season? Is that correct? 2023, 2024. Yeah. So just take a year off. Give yourself a full year to recover. Uh, Get kind of get some of those uh, scrapes and bruises off your body because he's been doing a lot with injuries over the last couple of years in L.A. and get one year closer to Brownie Jr. coming into the league and then kind of reassess, right? Who's drafting Brownie Jr. is he even like an NBA caliber player. Uh, But I do think it is time for him to head away from the Los Angeles Lakers just because there's very little assets left to surround this team with anything really tangible and you have big contracts of Davis and Russ. Like you can't you just can't move Russ anymore. They're talking about ruining Russ for Buddy Hield straight up. That's the level in which Russell Wilson's value has fallen. <laughs> Russell Westbrook, but yeah, um. <laughs> I mean, hey, dude, Ru- Russ Wilson's looking out, man. Maybe he, he he's got baseball. Yeah, <laughs> he could probably do some basketball. And he probably won't turn the ball over as much as Westbrook either.
0: Yeah, man. But with LeBron and the Lakers, like I, I don't necessarily see him retiring. I just maybe, maybe he wants to be like Jordan. So maybe he will. Uh, <laughs> but I, I honestly think they just don't make the playoffs this year. Or what he does is he just empowers Russ and says, you're the number one option, even though he really doesn't mean it. Because I just don't think Westbrook's as bad as how he's been playing this year. I don't think he's comfortable. I don't think Frank Vogel's done the best job this season out in L.A., but I don't necessarily think he's in control of that. They seem to be like one of those organizations where if Vogel is getting orders from the top down, even if that's like a ghost guy like Magic Johnson or something, who's like, you're going to play this lineup because... I think Russ Westbrook, LeBron, and even Malik Monk could be a solid 3, right? They just beat the they still beat the Jazz tonight. So, I think it's going to be an interesting run down the stretch, but I think at the end of the day, the best thing for the Lakers probably is missing the playoffs and moving on from AD. I think it's time. I love Anthony Davis. I think he's a great player, but if you can't be out there more than what, Matt, 60% of the season, and you're supposed to be the young number one option. He's the one supposed to be carrying the team, not fucking LeBron, who's a fossil at this point. I think you move him. I think you pair him up and try and get him out of town with, or excuse me, I think you try and trade Anthony Davis out of town and get, you know, an aging superstar, the Damian Lillards of the world, right? You go out there and try and get one of these guys, even, you know, now it's off the table, but a James Harden type mix it up, get someone who can score with LeBron and, you know, someone who's going to be out there available. What do I always say, Matt? This is coming for the draft series here. This <laughs> is perfect for the draft series because this is where I coined it. Availability is the best ability in professional amateur JV sports. If you're out there, you're better than the guy who can't play.
1: Well, and, you know, let's see how this Harden and bead pairing goes. You know, what happens if Philly extends James Harden? And sure. Yeah. That's we're true. We're talking about offseason drama. The contract is signed. The ink Doc is signed. Doc calls dried. Him an asshole
0: or some bullshit, right? And yeah. all of a
1: sudden, we're not talking about, you know, LeBron and AD. We're talking about LeBron and Embiid. I'm not even saying Harden gets moved. Hmm. I'm saying Embiid gets moved, right? Because, yeah, think about Philly's perspective. We got Harden locked. He wants to be here. Embiid, you know, we love him. He's part of the city, but we can get Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook. Oh, you're not saying it's going to happen, but. I don't those hate the, that though, bro. Those, That's the, the NBA, NBA blows yeah. my my mind. Yeah. The shit that <laughs> yeah. actually is allowed to happen, the moves for that are sure. made. It, it is literally a video game in real life happening it's awesome. faster than I can make trades for you know second round draft picks in Madden. It's easier um, to make trades
0: there than in our fucking <laughs> fantasy football league, dude.
1: Oh yeah, dude. Oh yeah. Because <laughs> our fantasy football players don't get all upset and start crying, to, you know, crying to mommy and daddy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, 100%, dude. I actually don't. That that would be a really interesting, you know, Philly, maybe a second round exit, you know, an unexpected second round, getting embarrassed, Harden gets hurt or some horseshit goes on. And yeah, they did just lose by 60 yesterday to who they lose to the Celtics, I think.
1: Basketball, Celtics, Celtics are hot. Celtics are hot. They
0: lost to Detroit tonight. I fucking bet on them tonight. Put them in a <laughs> put them in a 4 leg. parlay. they're the fourth leg because the Celtics I it was lost a, to
1: Detroit tonight. Yeah,
0: minus nine hundred favorite. <laughs> minus nine hundred at home. It's the last That's game before the, the, the All Star break. That is the. It's NBA. the last game before the All Star break. You look like an asshole when you start just getting cocky like that. So yeah, thank thank you, Boston. Won, won like nine straight. Lose to Detroit. Cade Cunningham does look good though. He's playing good fucking ball, dude that team's all right all right moving on to the draft series let's go man i'm so excited uh you called me we were supposed to record around 10 o'clock we start (laughs) recording like almost midnight here because you're like yo what's up man are you ready to go and i said i'm diving deep into some matt corral video right now man like this is really fun so Uh, We have four quarterbacks we want to go over. Matt's got two. I've got two. We'll go over all four of them at the end and kind of rank them out how we like them. Uh, Before we get into it, though, this quarterback class in general and just this this QB class is so unique in the fact that I don't think any one of them deserves to go top five, nor will they. Um, This is going to be a complete product of the system and where they get drafted, right? If you look back to this past year's draft, Trevor Lawrence, I still think, is probably the best prospect from that past draft, but people are he's an afterthought at this point because he went to Jacksonville, the worst organization in football, in my opinion. Um, And then you have Mac Jones, right, who we both are really high on. We loved Mac Jones, thought his tape was great, thought his national championship tape in particular was really good against Ohio State. And he falls to the Patriots, and everyone thinks he's night and day better than Lawrence, which, in my opinion, is just wrong. So what's really interesting about these four guys that we're going to go over today is that we need to judge them based on their skill set. But we're also going to talk about what teams we think can actually catapult them to a legit starting quarterback and even possibly a Pro Bowl quarterback because the Pro Bowl doesn't matter anymore. Mac was one. So, Matt, I'll let you start with your comments on the class and then your first guy, Malik.
1: Yeah, so I think you said it perfectly. Um, I'm going to be doing Kenny Pickett today and Malik Willis. Both guys, I think, have have good upside in this league. I, I think, especially Pickett, the, his landing spots. He's a very versatile um, quarterback. And when you have guys like this in in the draft that aren't going to have super high expectations, are going to be taken anywhere from like eight to say 32. It's going to alleviate some of that stress for them coming in. It's also going to allow them to play at their abilities. And the hope here is that they get drafted by the right system. So we're going to go ahead and we'll kick it off with Malik Willis. Uh, this is definitely a guy that you know is going to be comped and comparable to Lamar Jackson's skill set. He, I, w- I don't want anyone to get this wrong. He is not Lamar Jackson. Now, he's going to play in a system similar to what Lamar does, but the speed isn't as um, threatening as Lamar's. It's close. He's a very fast player. And he's got an absolute rocket of an arm. Some of the pros that we have on Malik Willis is just the simple uh, fact that we just talked about. He's a dual threat, electrifying player. He flashes the ability with his strong arm to really just spread the field and open up the game. But his big issue is he's a third and first level quarterback. What that means is third level is 20, 25 yards downfield. His first read is he's always looking to go deep. If you look at some of the guys in the league right now, biggest names that we can think about is Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes has Tyreek Hill, top five, top 10 wide receiver. And then that first level is going to be that 10 to 12 yards, that tight end field kind of crossing into that second uh, second level of your, your reads, which is going to be Travis Kelsey there in Kansas City. You know, you're not going to get drafted to a team that has an elite wide receiver and an elite tight end often. That is really going to help Malik Willis, at least with his uh, passing game in the NFL, if he can find a team where that third level is exposed to him. You know, I think that's something that whatever team drafts him is going to have to identify in the second and third round as well. uh, uh, Ultimately, a field spreader and then also a really good tight end or someone in the slot. So with Malik, I had my biggest takeaway um, team that I want him to fall into was the Saints. You've got Michael Thomas there, you've got Alvin Kamara, and you've got Taysom Hill. You have the ability to run kind of that spread offense, kind of just ground teams into the into the ground. You have Hill with that power attack, and then you would have Willis with the spread, the spread speed option paired with Kamara. I think you could run what really is a, a college slash pro system with all three of those guys. And Malik Willis would have to rely on Michael Thomas, his ability in the slot to be that first level guy. And I kind of talked to you off, off air, you know, Damian Harris is there as well. He's 24 years old. I do think his contract is expiring. Can they bring him back? He's really only been a punt and pass returner guy. He would have to be there to spread that field, to be that third level wide receiver. Some of the cons on Willis is just his ability to read the field. Uh, he's looking to throw downfield, as we said all the time. And he played at liberty. So we're going to be talking about a competition right. level that's not at the same as some of these guys, right? Mac Jones, what was so impressive last year, he had played good defenses. He had showed good numbers and good presence in the pocket against good defenses. With Willis, you're not talking about the same kind of competition. You're also t- not talking about the same kind of abilities around him. So to gauge him is similar to gauging Josh Allen, similar to gauging Ah, uh, Carson Wentz, when they were in some of these odd, obscure conferences, you've just got to look at some of their physical attributes. Um, a couple other, like, really kind of cons on him: uh, drops the elbow. His mechanics aren't perfect. His deep balls can be rushed and a little bit flat at times. That's going to leave the secondary, the safety positions in the NFL, to kind of just be playing ball hawk position on him. And then lack of touch. That's something we still see at times with Lamar in the league is, you know, great arm. But when, when it comes to throwing that 17-yarder down outside of the numbers, he has a little bit of an issue. Uh, Willis is definitely a, a projectable uh, project quarterback. And I think being drafted in the right system, obviously, is the first take here. Secondly, is building an offense around him. The second team I like the most with Willis is possibly 32 at the, at the Lions. They have the Rams pick. You know, we talked about Dan Campbell. We talked about culture. We talked about that offensive line. We've talked about T.J. Hawkinson there at the tight end position. They have Amon-Ra St. Brown, so you have two guys that can really dominate that first level. They don't necessarily have someone that can spread the field in the third level, but I think either the Saints or the Lions could build around Willis and really kind of uh, limit some of the weaknesses he has with his mechanics, with his touch, and just run an offense through his positive abilities. The last thing I want to say about Willis here is we saw with Baltimore this year, you know your second favorite team, um, it was Huntley, correct? And I'm saying his name right? Tyler uh, Huntley.
0: Huntley, yeah.
1: Huntley. Huntley had a phenomenal performance in a few games this season. And don't get me wrong, he is by no means a dynamite player. But I see a lot of comps with Willis, and I think Willis is better. If you go to the right system, you can be put in positions to win games and to perform very well. Huntley played great against the Packers, right? I think he had four total touchdowns, but first round pick, what you're looking for is just to fit the system and then to build around him. Um, Lamar Jackson, obviously being taken. I think the last pick of the first round, is that correct? He was, yep. Yeah. So Huntley here at 30, or excuse me, Willis here at 32 could be an eerie uh, similarity there.
0: My first guy that I'm going to go over, Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati, he's similar to Malik, is that he played in a more low-key conference. Uh, Cincinnati didn't play the toughest teams, but coming into the evaluation of his film, you know, they did end up playing some really good teams. This year, I looked at some of his stuff from 2019-2020. He really did blossom in 2020, and then 2021, he, uh, you know... I think he, I wouldn't say he regressed, but I think he underperformed for what my expectation was, especially after that Sugar Bowl game that they played against Georgia in 2020 was one of the best performances I've seen out of a, a non Power Five conference quarterback. But Desmond Ritter, what I like about him, 6'4, 216, just intangibles that are not uh, like quarterback physical traits would be he is, you know, a three year starting experience he brought that Cincinnati program to where it was this season, right? They made the college football playoff. He was probably the number one reason it all starts and stops in football with the quarterback. I think Desmond Ritter's a huge reason why Cincinnati got the opportunity to play Alabama this year. And they went undefeated until that uh, game where they got, they got beat pretty good by Alabama, but I wouldn't necessarily say it was his fault. We'll get to that in a second. Um, my big problem with Ritter, and I think with all these quarterbacks, the college game now is a shotgun, quick pass, one read, not under center game, which the NFL is slowly kind of turning into that, but that's not successful. Even look at Burrow, right? That fourth and one. We're shotgun, quick pass. Let's look at it. Hey, man, if your offensive line isn't good enough and your one read isn't there, it's tough for some of these lower, below average quarterbacks to make it in the NFL. So I'll start with some of his pros. He has really good arm talent. Um, if you pull up some of his tape, he can throw it 55, 60 yards in the air. No problem. Nothing crazy. A couple two, three-step drop, drop it on a dime 50 yards down the field. Uh, he also throws a great seam ball down the down the sideline, a fade route to his receivers. Really, really accurate, which was impressive to me. Um, and that was the next thing I said. I think like one of the biggest pros that I highlighted from his tape was that his 20-plus yard accuracy is NFL elite, in my opinion. And that's really, really big. Once again, I'm just going to keep using Burrow because it's the recency bias based on the playoffs here. But if you have a receiver that can beat guys one-on-one and you can hit them 25 yards right on the back shoulder, you can lead them accordingly and have them make plays, that's huge. What you see with some of these quarterbacks that still haven't made the leap yet, like Jalen Hurts, right? is you're going to see Devontae Smith burn someone but he overshoots him, or he really undershoots him. I thought Ritter had a really, really nice 20 to 40-yard deep ball. Um, His middle-of-the-field throws were also great. And then the other thing that I really liked about him, even though he was playing a lot out of the shotgun – was he had a really good pocket presence. You didn't see him put his eyes down. You didn't see him run out of the pocket and get out of there because he is very athletic. If you pull up his tape as well, he's a good runner. Um, He stayed in the pocket, specifically in that Alabama game. His team wasn't blocking for him, but you never saw him bail out till about three and a half quarters in because he was just getting his ass kicked, and it kind of made sense, right? Um, I thought his pocket presence was great. He stood in the pocket, hung in there tough, um, that's what I liked the second most out of the pros that I had for him was his escapability and his presence. Um, and then the last two things before I get to some of the cons is he is very athletic. They ran a lot of run options for him at the quarterback. I think all four of these guys, and I think any modern day quarterback, Matt, unless they're, you know, six, 260, like you kind of have to be an athlete to play quarterback in the NFL nowadays. Right. Um, so he was a good athlete through on the run. I'd say average or so. So I'd give him as far as like a thrower of the football out of a skill of one to 10. I'd give him a solid like six and a half, you know, maybe a seven. And that kind of leads into the cons because th- this is something that stood out significantly, especially in 2021 on the Notre Dame tape and on the Alabama tape, the two best teams that he played on the season, in my opinion, um, very late on his outside reads and his outside throws in general really really need work if you're on the right hash thrown to the left side left hash thrown to the right side i honestly only saw him complete two to three really good passes in those two games specifically but overall in his in his tape that's definitely a red flag to me and if you can't get the ball outside the numbers with that arm talent and with that timing it's not even the arm talent um that's where you get that's how you become a backup or get out of the league right um he also And I don't know if this is necessarily a Ritter problem or a Cincinnati problem. He does not look at multiple reads. He's a one run and gun. If his first read isn't there, he starts to kind of look around. And the pocket presence is good, but he starts to look to scramble and throw. I didn't see one game where you could see him going through a progression. And maybe that was the lack of film that I watched. But at the end of the day, for the three best teams that he played against over the past two seasons, Georgia, Notre Dame, Alabama, it was a one shot. Boom. I'm going to my first option and I'm hitting it. And even when that first option was a guy on the outside, he was late on the throw. And that's something that was a huge, huge red flag to me, but that's stuff that can be taught. So I like Ritter. I think he's really good. Um, as far as the teams that I'd love to see, take him, I was in as well on Atlanta. I think he'd be a really good fit in Denver, actually, if they cannot get and land Aaron Rodgers. I also thought this was kind of a long shot. I don't know what your thoughts are on this, Matt, but I thought that he'd be really good in Pittsburgh or even a backup to Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee was kind of something else that I thought would be a really good fit for him.
1: I think with Ritter, you're looking at really a lot of options here, right? Because this is, I think, the first guy that we will see in the second round you know a team might take a shot in the first round but I don't know talking-
0: I I like him more than
1: Willis personally no absolutely but when you look at I mean again and mocks don't mean very much right they are just the general consensus of the experts right experts quote unquote we see a lot of crazy stuff happen in the draft i mean you know the fact that jones fell to New england last year was just showcasing <laughs> exactly that you had pre-draft mocks talking about him at number 3 number 2 sometimes so we will have to see but my takeaway here is accuracy is the number one most important thing that I've seen after doing last year's uh, pre-draft prep, right? We talked about Davis Mills and we didn't even really get into Davis, but we talked about pocket presence and accuracy. What did we right. see from Davis Mills this past year? Both of those things highlighted significantly and he got better through the season because he was comfortable in the pocket and when he would throw the ball. It was on target in comparison to, you know, Zach Wilson, who liked to roll out of the pocket, liked to be mobile. Had some issues. We can we can talk about Trevor Lawrence's issues as well, but sure. at least then you know that you've got a guy that you can build around with skilled players. I think Pittsburgh would be a great option. You've got some skilled players here. We've said yep. that a lot. The running game is there. But I think any team, in all honesty, that's looking at possibly, again, a second round target, if he can fall to the second round, you can take a guy and develop him. Same thing that Mills had. Mills fell to the third round last year. If he's going to have a one-look read in college, you're going to have to spend time developing him a pro system, right? Because just take a look at the Super Bowl again. You said Burrow is a perfect example. Chase is breaking downfield, doesn't have time. Okay, what's your immediate second option, right? He didn't really have a choice because Darnold was in his face, but (laughs) pro level, you have no choice but to go one, two, three. That third read better be in your flat, better be your tight end. You can't just run that college system. And if you have the tape that's proven that you've been a one-shot guy, you've got to start to develop those things on the pro level. 100%. Uh, I, I would love to see Tennessee take him in the second round. You know, Tannehill, if he's just not the option or fl- flounders again, and you can get this guy in practice and get guys comfortable with him. I think Pittsburgh is great. And I think Atlanta is great. Atlanta at eight, though. Again, there are a lot of good position players in this yeah, draft. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Eight, eight's hard, but you're looking at 40 hey man 40 not bad maybe you get an offensive lineman in there at eight maybe you get you know devin singletary out there in the outside cornerback position i think i think 40 could be the spot that i like to target there
0: Moving on to uh, your favorite guy, and then we'll go over my favorite guy for these top fours. Uh, is Kenny Pickett? So you're, you you went over his tape today. I watched a little bit too because I had a couple things about him. I actually I watched a good amount of Pit this season, so I've got my talk or I got my thoughts, excuse me, on Kenny Two Gloves Pickett. <laughs>
1: Yeah, man, um, did some good work on on Kenny, and it's hard because I see a lot that I like.
0: Dude, 100%. Hard is the right way. To, that's that's exactly it's, how I felt, man.
1: It's hard because I, I, I'm I going to give you my comps right off the bat here, and it scares okay. me because you got two bums, and you got an all-star. <laughs> you got an MVP. You got a big pay-em baby. I've got Josh Allen as a comp. I've got Carson Wentz mm. ugh, as a comp, and I've got Baker Mayfield-esque. Better version of Baker Mayfield. Obviously, he's, he's taller. Yeah, he's more say, athletic. Yeah. But he ran a system very similar to, to Baker's at Oklahoma at Pitt. Um, my concern off the bat is he was at Pitt. Not a ton of competition in that conference. Played some better teams than Willis played. Don't get me wrong. Right, Division One. That's Pitt for you. Aaron Darnold's coming from Pitt. You know, James Connor coming from Pitt. You got you have good NFL players coming from Pitt. Other big issue is he will be 24 years old in June. Big issue I have with that is how much more development, how much more time do you have before he's in his prime? Now, Pitt is going to be a out of the pocket dual threat quarterback. Very similar to Carson Wentz and Josh Allen. He has the ability to plow you over. He has the ability to outrun you. We saw that in one of the games this season on his fake slide, right? One of the best plays I think I saw all year because it's just a smart football move. Some of the uh, the pros I have here on Kenny Pickett, good size. We just talked about that. He had jaw-dropping improvement in the 2020 season, uh, excuse me, the 2021 season coming from 2022. He went out there and absolutely performed off the charts. 42 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. He jumped up boards. We were not talking about Kenny Pickett before this season as a number one target. Here we are, possibly number one quarterback on the board. Very good arm strength. He has the velocity to ultimately make defenders that are trying to jump his pass miss. and That's huge, especially when you're talking about a guy that does not like to step up in the pocket. There's some of the cons on Kenny. He's had some damage in the past of having poor protection. He gets a little bit nervous. His feet aren't always set in the right direction when he's making throws, but that kind of comes with the guy that's looking to make plays. And that's what Pickett's doing. He's looking at it, rolling out of the pocket at times when maybe he should be stepping up, but his goal is always to be pushing the ball downfield and he has the arm strength. Some of the film that I watched did show him under throwing some guys. I think that just kind of a Generally, comes when you're constantly moving the ball downfield. Uh, the arm strength is there; it jumps off the off the film for you. So, I think it's just more about consistency. and And he's able to read all three levels on top of going through his progression chain when it comes to actually reading the defense. I think that's huge. That's something we just talked about with uh, the last guy not being able to do. But again, 24 years old. Some of the some of the concerns I have. Um, some of the cons here. Again, nervous feet. Uh, doesn't always feel like his eyes are being pushed in the right direction when it comes to the defense, kind of leaving it open for defenses to jump uh, better timing and, and consistency with his catches. Sometimes he's not leading guys enough. Uh, those are things that I think you can work on the pro level. And they're also mechanical, right? If you can get your feet set in the right direction, sometimes you can start to push the ball upfield and allow your guys uh, to have better run after the catch ability and then last thing is he doesn't throw with much of an um, unexpected release. So what I think what that really means is mechanically he he needs to get more in a fluid motion. Also when he's running out of the pocket sometimes he's he's just chucking it like Pat is out there, right? Mahomes big thing is out of the <laughs> yeah. pocket. You don't really know where his mechanics are. Uh, but those are some of the cons. Ultimate takeaway eval for Pickett. Uh, Pickett has the athleticism and ability to play in a system based offense with skill position players around him to evolve. He's not going to be a guy like Josh Allen, who I think can run the ball eight to 10 times a game, that can re- really rely on that unbelievable arm strength. Because I don't want to mislead you here as a listener. He does not have Josh Allen arm strength. That no, is. He does not. That is. I mean, I think if you look at it from a baseball grade, Josh Allen is 80 out of 80. I think Pickett's probably 65 out of 80. Has really above average, but it's not going to be that kind of t- over a game um he is a better better version than Baker Mayfield he must be drafted by a team that's going to allow him to to utilize those skill position players um, and I ultimately I, this is the last thing I said here about him um, he, he needs to have better decision making on the field you know, Sometimes I think at Pitt, what, what I saw in the film was he would just chuck it up sometimes because he had the arm strength, because he had the ability to roll out of the pocket. And sometimes it wasn't the right choice. Sometimes the guy was open by 20 yards because this is college football, but you're not going to have that same ability in the pro level. Team fits for Mr. Kenny Pickett. We're going to go back to start here. We're going to start off at the lower tier of the first round. Tampa at 27. I know they have Kyle Trask. Hmm. Brady's retired. You know, If maybe they're not really sold on Trask, like all the media is saying, they are sold – Tampa could be an option for him. Again, he is a big body quarterback with mobile you know, ability. Vegas here at 22, I think you know Derek Carr probably gets re-signed, but if that's something that you know the new regime comes in and says, hey, we want to start over, bringing a first-round quarterback back in at 22 is not a bad option. I think the most logical fit here is at 20. That's Pittsburgh. Coming from Pitt College, 100%. going to the Pittsburgh Steelers, it makes sense. He's a big body with a big arm, just like Ben was. He's mobile, just like Ben was as a rookie. And honestly, I think you see a lot of comparison to Ben and Kenny Pitt. I just think the only difference is uh, Ben was, there was no question about his ability to be a grinder and about his ability to stay on the field. Pitt, um, you know, we've talked about some of the issues with nervousness in the pocket. Big Ben never really gave a shit. If you're going to hit him, he's going to throw the ball. So Pitt there at 20, I have the Eagles at 15, 16, 19. That's kind of a dark horse. They have Jalen Hurts, obviously. I think uh, Jalen's mobile ability is very similar to Pickett, I just think he's obviously a little more athletic. He's a little more agile. Pickett's more of I'm going to put my shoulder down, kind of like Josh Allen. Saints at 18, as we talked about with Willis, I do not think they take Pickett, but they do need a quarterback. Browns at 13, uh, kind of the comp but we talked about Baker Mayfield earlier with Pickett. I don't think they make this play because ultimately I think they'd have the same issues with Pickett that they have with Baker. Washington at 11, I think could absolutely pull the trigger on Pickett. They need a they need a quarterback. And honestly, with the players they have in place with McLaren um, on top of also Gibson at the running back position. They've got some skill guys that could elevate his game. And lastly, the Panthers at six. I could see the Panthers going absolutely crazy and taking Pickett. It would be a mistake. But I do think the Panthers at six could take him.
0: And we'll get to uh, my favorite guy of these top four here. I uh, had the pleasure of watching film on. Uh, I think this year in the top half, like, fuck it. If you have another bad year, the darlings are coming next year. The Strouds. The Bryce Young's, right? Like those are the prize possession. That'd be shitty for another year. That's what I would do if I was a GM
1: personally. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you, but I think also these guys are are they live in fear. They live in fear of not being given another season, right? Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I don't know the general manager contracts or how long these guys have been there for each right. team. I, I, I hope, actually, I want to look into before we, we continue this draft class because, you know, you draft a quarterback that usually buys you three more seasons, right? The owner's like, all right, well... Yeah, at least two let's nowadays, for hit, sure. Let's see if you hit a Patty Mahomes, you know, because you can't fire the guy that drafted a legend. Um, but Pickett isn't that guy for me. I, my, my long-term projection here uh, that I wrote down is two to three years of up and down the first couple seasons in the NFL. I don't expect him to be a Justin Herbert. Um, if drafted by the right team, I see a 10-year starter. I do. I see a guy that can be in this league and can be a starting quarterback. And I think best case scenario is we see a poor man's good version of Carson Wentz in Philadelphia. Before, totally agree. Before the knee injury. You know, not an MVP, not an MVP, but a guy that can lead his team, a guy that can rush the ball, a guy that's going to dive in the end zone, tearing his ACL because he's a gamer. Um, I, I think Kenny Pickett absolutely deserves a spot. It's just going to be a couple of years of development for him.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I think Carson Wentz is the perfect comp for him. I think Pittsburgh is the perfect landing spot for him. I think if he's there at 20, I, I think Pittsburgh takes him. I, I don't to. see I, I don't see how they pass him there. Um, I really don't, but we'll see. My guy, we like him. He's got a good name, right? Matt Corral. <laughs> uh, both of us named Matt. Uh, this dude, uh, <laughs> it's funny because I, I think out of all four of these guys, I think Matt's going to be the last one drafted. I think Matt is 100% the wild card of of the four of these gentlemen that we've talked about so far. And I think that's why I like him, honestly. Uh, Matt Corral, 6'2", 205. What I have, just like I did with Ritter here, is outside of the actual pros and cons of being a quarterback, that's what I wrote down about him. He's a tough guy, literally. He's a team player, and that kind of shows in him playing in that bowl game even though he got hurt. What you look for and what you see on his tape is that his O-line fucking sucks. So the fact that he actually played in that bowl game, knowing how bad his O-line was, mind-blowing to me. Mad respect. Um, In my opinion, I think he has the best arm out of these four guys. 100%. In my opinion, I think he has the strongest arm. And that's also going to come up in the cons here in a second. Um, His receivers fucking sucked, dropped a ton of passes. And I think his offensive line, based on the two uh, quarterbacks I've gone through here, was way worse than Cincinnati. So when you pull up the Alabama tape for Cincinnati this past year and the Alabama tape for Ole Miss, Ole Miss's line was getting whooped. So that's what I got to say about that. And then even the other games that I was watching, their O-line, Corral was running for his life. If you want to see the kind of epitome of the team player is pull up the Tennessee tape from this past season. Matt Corral threw for 231, rushed for 195, willed his team to win. One of the most impressive tapes. I watched about eight to nine games. Dude, I dove into his shit today. It was awesome. Um, That was the most impressive tape I've ever seen out of just a. He's an average prospect, but a gamer, bro. I love him. I love him. He has it, in my opinion. Um, We'll start with the cons. (laughs) He runs a little bit too fast. What I mean by that is his eyes sink down to the level of the offensive line and the defensive line, and he he gets off his reads and runs. Once again, he had a bad O-line, but if you're going to get drafted to a team that needs a quarterback, more likely than not, their O-line is probably not going to be good. So that is definitely a bad con. Um, his pocket presence needs a lot of work. He has the tendency to run out of the pocket or retreat in the pocket rather than step up in the pocket, make a strong throw with his arm that he has. Um, his biggest, this is his biggest con, in my opinion, is that he has zero touch, dude. He's literally out there for the young crowd that listens to this. You're not going to get this, but a kid grew up in OC, he's Troy Percival, dude. He's throwing fucking missiles out there <laughs> even if they're six yards away and that's not that's not good dude you know like he cannot be doing that in the nfl um he needs to find that 15 20 yard sweet spot he, he had it in a couple but even throwing a couple screen passes when he's under duress just the touch isn't there and that's a problem i put he needs a change up to go to our baseball analogy there um pros i think he's an elite athlete i was telling you before we got on and i, I truly believe this i think he's a poor man's Kyler Murray. He's not as fast as Kyler Murray, not as quick. I'd say he's one notch below. I think he's easily, and and unfortunately, I didn't watch enough uh, Malik Willis um, because I know he's an elite athlete as well, but compared to Pickett and Ritter, he's on a whole nother level level of athlete when it comes to running the football and actually being a dual threat quarterback. He would definitely classify as that in my eyes. Um, He can take a lot of hits, man. That Tennessee game, once again, if you really want to see a tough guy Uh, NFL getting getting rocked by some really NFL players in that game definitely happened Uh, he has good escapability out of the pocket once again going back to his runner and then one of the things that I thought was really unique about him as well compared to Ritter specifically was you could notice from his film that he was going through progressions on the field and I find that is something that's really encouraging for a young quarterback because all these college systems I brought this up earlier it is a boom, catch, throw, one read, boom. Um, You could see him at certain times throughout some of these big games, Alabama, Tennessee, the SEC competition, right? He was going through his progressions and trying to find a guy. You could see him, nope, that first read wasn't there. Let me check down. Oh, that second read's not there. Let me hit the guy in the flat. And I think that's really encouraging and something that young quarterbacks struggle with significantly. But then that moves to his cons because sometimes he would look at his first read Just take off and run, right? You need to find that happy medium. And then the last thing, dude, like I said, he has a fucking hose. He can throw 60, 70 yards downfield. He's got the fastball. He just needs to learn how to throw that changeup. I don't think Matty Corral makes it in the first round. I love Pittsburgh for him as well. Um, But any of the teams that we've talked about, right, Atlanta, Carolina, the teams we've brought up at nauseam, Washington, all those teams I think are in line to draft him this year. I think there's no way he sneaks out of the second round. He's my favorite player. I definitely think he's the highest risk player out of the four. Him and Malik are probably right there as far as the higher risk. But um, man, he's he's got he's got the it factor. He reminds me of the the Garner Minshew. I think he's a little more talented, but I think realistically he could be Garner Minshew. Poor man's Kyler Murray. That's kind of where I have him as far as his range.
1: Well, I think it's hard. Uh, Pickett had a lot of the same kind of issues, right? Lacking of a little bit of the underneath first and second level touch. And I think it kind of goes to some of these schemes these guys are playing in college where. Yeah, I totally you know, agree. They're always in the shotgun formation. They're not dropping back. They're not looking at the seven yard slant. They're not looking at the the, the curl routes. Not developing that touch, and then on top of it, you know, Pitt's offensive line was much better than what it sounds like Old Misses was. Oh, but dude, if it you're, was bad. <laughs> if you're surrounded by guys that don't have the protection scheme that you need, you have no choice other than trying to throw the ball as hard as you possibly can. Because even if your guy's not in a position of separation against the cornerback or the safety, you've got to make sure he's got a shot. You're not allowed the time to develop a touch pass, and I think that's a big detriment to what Matt might have to have to face in the NFL is. You're going to be on practice squads, possibly as the second guy or the backup if he is drafted to the right system. And you're going to be going to be in his number one defenses. So right. he's going to have to develop that and have to, he's just going to have to trust himself that shake off some of those ghosts you know because it's a real thing you come into the nfl and you've been playing behind bad offensive line you're literally running from ghosts at times you're running from your past sacks you're running from your past breakdowns Um, pickett's also going to have to learn that because it's a very different system when you get to the nfl
0: but everyone thank you so much matt and i were so stoked to do this draft series so we'll be coming back we got a couple more quarterbacks we want to talk about next week um, I am lining up a time to do an interview with a fun guest that we've been chatting with for a while here. We'll see if Matt has time with his work schedule. Um, but we'll be back. We got a lot of sports to talk about. Just because football season's over doesn't mean that we're not going to be talking a ton of shit when it comes to basketball. Baseball, hopefully, is going to come back here. You can always find all of our content, clips from these episodes uh, on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter, at Pod. We'll see you guys on Tuesday. Have a great weekend. Later.